I'm David Fisk. I'm one of the pastors here at InTown, and it's good to see you this morning. Well, I know that today is the new year, but I want you to think about Christmas morning, okay? How do you come to Christmas morning? And I'm going to say for everyone it's different, okay? If you have little kids, you know coming to Christmas morning is like coming at 4 a.m., right? They're jumping on your bed, and you're like, please, just till 6. Please, wait. Uh, I think my daughter set the record. She came in at 128 one year, one year, not this year, thank goodness. Or maybe like when you get older and you're in college and you're at home for a break and, you know, you're sleeping in and your parents are like, it's 10 o'clock, wake up already. You know, like we got to celebrate Christmas, come on. You know, or maybe you're like 70 and you're like, hey, we've been up. We've already had breakfast and had our coffee, you know, like, where have y'all been? We all come to Christmas differently like that, you know? And I think we all come to Jesus differently because we have different stories, because we have different lives, because we have different circumstances. We all come to Jesus differently. Now, some of you might just say, well, I'm kind of indifferent. Like, meh, I'm only here because my parents made me. I'm only here because my spouse, maybe, or because it's the social thing to do, even though I stayed up late. Maybe you're uh, sad, sad at what happened in 2022. You don't like it. You're upset. Maybe you're angry at God, angry about what happened, angry about things that you wish went one way and they went another. Or maybe you're glad, thankful. You're full of gratitude, and you come to Jesus with praise and worship. We all come differently, is my point. And so the question I want you to think about as Caleb reads to us is, how do you come to Jesus this morning? How do you come to Jesus this morning? Caleb's going to come read for us about the wise men and how they come to Jesus. So, Dr. Voss. This morning's reading is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, 
they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Caleb. This is the reading of God's word. Let's pray and ask him to bless the preaching of it. Heavenly Father, Son, and Spirit, we come to you this morning. Uh, some of us are tired uh, from staying up late. Some of us are excited that it's a new year. We're all over the place. We've said that we all come to Jesus differently. And so, Lord, would you meet each of us where we are? Would you use your word, your servant, to bring words of encouragement, words of challenge, words of uh, gratitude, words of worship, uh, that we might be challenged in all of these different areas because of your grace and because of your mercy and because of your goodness to us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, how do you come to Jesus? Right? We said everybody comes differently. Well, first let's start out with the insider. How does the insider come to Jesus? Well, who's the insider in our story? You might be going, I don't know. There, is there one? There is, actually. Herod is the insider because Herod was king of the Roman Empire. Therefore, any of the peoples or countries that he conquered, he was king over them as well. So he would have been considered king of the Jews because he was the king of the Roman Empire. And so Herod is actually the insider. He knew about uh, the Messiah from interacting with Jewish people. He even rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem for the Jewish people. So we say that he, he is the He's the insider. And you see verse 2, where these wise men come asking, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Ooh, you saying that to a king? Look at what the king says in return. When Herod heard the king, I'm sorry, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Now, here's one thing about uh, Herod. You don't want to make him troubled. His wife made him troubled. You know what he did to her? Killed her. Some of his sons were kind of a threat to his rule. Killed them. Some of his sons caused him trouble. Killed them. You don't want to trouble Herod. Right? He's going to off you. He's going to off you if you... Compete with him at all if you make him troubled. So what does he do? Verse 4, you see, he gets all the chief priests and the scribes together, and he's like, hey, guys, hey, tell me where this king was born. Okay, you and I know why he wants to know that, right? Where was this guy born? This king of the Jews, where was he born? And you see in verses 5 and 6 how they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophets. Like it's written by the prophets that this promised Messiah was coming, and it says, in Bethlehem, right? And then what does he do? He summons the wise men secretly, right? Like, hey guys, meet me in the back corner, you know, like, I don't know how kings do that secretly, but 
he pulls them aside secretly and says, where's that star you guys were talking about? Or like, when was it? Was it like, was it like six months ago? Was it like a year ago? You know, like three months ago? Stop me. Six months? A year? Two years? <laughs> like, that he wants to know when it was. So he wants to know where this king is. He wants to know when he was born. Okay? So he summons them. He's searching for them. And he's lying to them and saying, oh, tell me so I can come worship him too. And he's just lying, right? He's, he's just an evil person. And this is a bad situation. And so many times we think, golly, Herod is a terrible person. And he is. But so are you. And so am I. Because we sin against God every day. Every hour, if you're honest. Right? We sin against the king. We rebel against him. Because if you see... How do you come to Jesus? You have to say, he's the king. Now, if you're like Herod, you go, if he's the king, then I'm not. I don't like that. And here's why I say you and I are like him, because we know that, king, that Jesus is the king, and we go, I don't like that. I'm going to keep my stuff over here, and I'll be the king for a while, or the queen. Right? Like, we do that, and that's our first response. And you might say, well, you know, you're reading too much into it. No, this goes back all the way to Adam and Eve, right? The beginning of the Christian story. What do they do? They know God is God. They know God is the king. He set up paradise for them. And what do they do? I don't want him to be king or God. I want to be king or God. And so they rebel against him. Right? They rebel against him, Adam and Eve. And the point is, Herod is a reminder that without God's mercy and grace and love, then we are murderers too. We are sinful people who get mad and angry at other people and wish bad things on them sometimes. We are sinners too, just like Herod. So Herod the insider comes to Jesus in rebellion and murder. The insider. Okay, so that's the first one. Second one, how, does, how do the strangers come to Jesus? Now the strangers will be from the wise men. You see in verse 1, talk about wise men from the east came to Jerusalem now, these wise men, they might be called magi if you have the NIV. But the thing is, here's the thing about the wise men. We assume a lot of things about the wise men, okay? First of all, we don't know where they're from. They're from the east. What does that mean? Well, maybe Persia, maybe Babylon. Not sure. It's just east, was it 500 miles? Was it 800 miles? Was it just 20? Like, what was it? Not sure. How many of them are there? What did the text say? Oh, it didn't. It said they brought three presents, right? 
So you just assume, oh, well, three presidents, three kings, you know, like three influential men. Well, what if they were like, that myrrh's expensive. Like, let's go have these. And there were four, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Thank you, Stacey. <laughs> um, we don't know how many there are. What religion are they? Well, they followed astrology and dream interpretations. They studied sacred writings, and that's how they knew about the Old Testament. And they followed magic and other gods. And that's who's coming to Jesus. What's their social standing? Well, it's pretty good if you get to have the audience of a king. If King Herod is like, okay, I'll see you. Like, you got to be somebody. Because some wee peasant doesn't get to go before the king, right? Only important people do. And they know where Jesus has been born. They know all about Bethlehem. And they know how Jesus, or I'm sorry, how Herod brings them in. Hey, I'm just curious. What was the exact time? And they're like, hmm, I'm not sure. And then Herod says, why don't you guys go find him and then come back and tell me where he is, and then I'll go worship him too. And the funny thing is, Bethlehem is only six miles away from where they were. So those wise men are like, we've already traveled hundreds of miles. What's another six, you know? But Herod's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not doing that. Like, you guys go find him, come back and tell me, I'll come and worship him. Total lie right? We know what he's going to do to Jesus. So they went on their way from Herod, and what happens? The star appears again. See, the star appeared hundreds of miles away, and they followed it, and then it went away, and they go to Herod, and they have their encounter with Herod. Then they leave Herod. The star comes back, and it leads them to where they need to go. Well, where is it that they need to go? They need to go to Jesus. And you see verse 11 says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped. This means a couple things for you and me. First of all, it means all of your nativity scenes are wrong. (laughs) My mom has the willow tree nativity scene, you know? And I like to take the wise men and put them way on the other side of the house and be like, it's biblical, Mom. They belong here. But it also means that they're worshiping Jesus in a house, not a manger. They were not at the manger. This is later. This is a year or two later. And they're coming to Jesus, and what do they do? They get to Jesus, they fall down, and they start to worship. Now, these are strangers to Christianity, strangers to the Jewish faith, and yet they get to the king, and they know how to respond. They know, I want to bow and worship him. They're filled with gratitude. They're filled with joy. They're filled, what does it say here in verse 10? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Like, Matthew, that's not very good English. Like, you said the same word twice. Like, 
that's how important it was. Like, that's how joyful it was. Matthew's like, I'm going to use the same word twice just for emphasis. You know, like, that's how joyful they got. They got, they also brought out their treasures and offered them to Jesus. Now that begs the question for you and for me, what are our treasures? Do we lay our treasures at Jesus' feet? What are our treasures? Money, power, control, success, identity, Georgia football, too soon? (laughs) At least they won. your kids succeeding, being healthy. Like what, what's your treasure that you treasure more than anything that you have to have or you're not happy? What this passage is showing us is that we are to take our treasures and to put them at the feet of Jesus. That's not always easy. It's not easy for me to put my children, my daughters at Jesus' feet and say, okay, you can... You can be the king of them. I, I guess I won't. Okay, I'll be the king of them, you know. Like, that's hard. That's a difficult thing to do. And let's be honest about it, okay? So these strangers are coming to Jesus, but they're coming and they're showing gratitude and joy and worship. They're coming with faith. Even though the insider is coming to kill, the strangers are coming in faith to worship. Okay, so third, how does God come to Jesus? Like, wait a minute, isn't God Jesus? Yes and no, right? Three persons, one substance. Well, how does God come? He comes into the world, and in chapter 1 of Matthew, they're showing the divine nature of Jesus. And in chapter 2 of Matthew, where we are, they're describing and trying to highlight his human nature. Okay? So God, it's almost like God took a part of himself and said, okay, I'm going to go into the world, sinful, broken world, and I'm going to heal it. It can't heal itself. It can't save itself. I'm going to save it for them because of my grace and my love and my care for all of them. No matter what tribe, no matter what tongue, no matter what situation. Now, I mean, think about how these strangers come to Jesus. They're the wrong religion. They're the wrong. They're from the wrong country. Right? Like they think that these treasures are going to make them acceptable. No. But yet. Jesus still allows them to come and worship. And that just shows you and it shows me that the gospel is for everyone. I mean, Matthew 27, the end of Matthew, has an invitation, or excuse me, a command to go and make disciples of all the nations. Well, if you come back here to Matthew 2, you see an invitation of Gentiles because these three wise men are not Israelites. They're Gentiles. So you see, even at the beginning of Matthew, him inviting Gentiles into faith. He's inviting them into faith. And 
they, they worship Jesus, they put down their treasures, they offer up their gifts. Then they have this dream that Herod's you know, going to get them, and so they departed to their own country by another way. Now, they're strangers who have come, and they've come in faith, and they've encountered Jesus. They've seen the king of the Jews. They've worshiped him. But now they're going home another way. And that word way is like direction or state. But either way, because it's kind of a play on words, right? Both of those have been affected by Jesus. They're going home a different route, and they're going home different people because they've encountered Jesus. Because they've encountered Jesus. And it's by God's love that he wants to shower down mercy upon us. He wants all of us to, to join in worshiping him. He wants all of us to have gratitude for what he has done for us. He wants all of us to see that the gospel is for insiders and it's for strangers. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. No one is too far gone. No one is too bad. No one is too sinful. You can be loved and liked and cared for by God, through his grace and his mercy. And it's by his grace that he brings these strangers who don't deserve it, but he brings these strangers in as his own. So lastly, I'll just finish with, how will you come to Jesus, the king? Right? Like, he's a king. Where would you expect him to be born? Where would you expect to find him? In a palace or in a castle, right? He's the king. Where do you find King Jesus? In a nasty manger. It tells you God does different things than you might expect or that you might want. God, there are going to be times where you don't understand what's happening. There are going to be times where you're mad at God for what happened. There are going to be times where you're grieving with God about what happened. There are going to be times where you're reminiscing about what happened and go, oh, that was actually good. You don't know what God is going to do. He's Jesus the King. But you see what lengths Jesus is willing to go to for you to have you as part of his kingdom. I will live the perfect life. I will die the death that you deserve. I will defeat sin and evil and the devil. And I will raise again. And one day, someday, I will make all things new. Right? Jesus is willing to go to that length. Why? For you. For you. He wants you to have his mercy and grace. He's freely offering it to you. He's showing you, like, when you get captured by God's mercy, when you get captured by Jesus' grace, you are overwhelmed with gratitude, and gratitude leads to worship. Okay? Gratitude leads to us offering our whole life. Right? 
I mean, like, wouldn't you like to have the freedom of having faith rather than anxiety? To have trust rather than control? I'm talking about myself here. To have love rather than manipulation? I mean, wouldn't that be better? Wouldn't that be so freeing if we actually believe that and live that out? That would be beautiful. It would be wonderful. And here's the thing. I'll just say every other treasure is going to demand your life. It's never gonna, you're never going to do enough for your other treasures. But the treasure Jesus does it for you so that you can rest, so that you're not exhausted trying to earn God's favor. He does it so that you can become a son or a daughter. Like I said, that's loved by God and liked by God. So I'll just finish with this. Herod comes to Jesus in rebellion and murder. The strangers come to Jesus in faith and worship. God comes into the sinful, broken world that couldn't heal itself and offers grace and mercy through Jesus. And he wants you to experience it too so that you can go show it to other people no matter what color skin they have, no matter what background they have, no matter what. He wants you to go and share the gospel. And that might be your neighbor, literal neighbor. It might be your coworker. It might be your family. It might be your extended family. Now you're like, David, you're just trying to cause fights at holidays. Like, yeah, so it's Jesus, <laughs> right? He wants the whole world to find his mercy and love and gratitude because they lead to worship. Our whole lives offered in worship to Jesus, our King. How will you come? How will you come to Jesus this morning, this month, this year? How will you come to Jesus? Let me pray for us. Our God and Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy that you would give us the gift of Jesus who then gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit who produces fruit in our lives. And Lord, we come to you knowing that we don't deserve it, knowing that we haven't earned it. The only way we have it is through your grace and your mercy and your love. We praise you for that. We have gratitude, and so we want to worship you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.